Yeah, so Friday night to start sharing about what the anointing is, because um, you hear stuff like this in church, and uh, want to a little bit demystify it, if you will, because you're like, oh, that was anointed worship, right? Like, like we could say that was an anointed time of worship just here a moment ago, right? Yeah, yeah, but what does that mean, <laughs> right? Because like, oh, that person's anointed, or that message anointed, and then it's like almost sometimes it feels like it's like this. It's like, ooh, you know? And so what is it? And so I want to talk about that uh, uh, today, and, and probably will here for a couple weeks, as a matter of fact. Um, the word anoint, the word anoint, it, it has, there's two definitions. Um, if you look it up in the Greek or the Hebrew, um, uh, it's the same thing, but it's different. Um, one basically says that you smear with oil, and that would be the Old Testament definition. So if they anointed someone in the Old Testament, it meant they smeared them with oil. New Covenant, it essentially means that you not only smear, but you pour the oil on them. And it also means to rub the oil in. And so the rubbing in, I think, was a really neat picture as well, because when you rub something in, you have to apply pressure to it. And so sometimes the Lord touches us, and it feels like we're just, we're there, as Logan saying about it, just gets rained on us. And other times it feels like pressure is being applied to us from the Lord, and, and that's how it, it goes as well. And so I wanted to just kind of talk about that today, because this has the potential. Yeah, amen. Bless you guys. Bless you. Thank you. Yes. Has the uh, potential to uh, just change us. Um, they'll probably happen. They probably thought they were going to the one right there. Um, <laughs> so that's okay. No, it really is. It really is. It's cool to have people walk in, isn't it? Amen. So we have this oil. I lost train of thought, so, but I won't start over. Yeah. So we have this. And the anointing, it has the ability to change people's lives. Right. And, and I believe that each one of us is a follower of Jesus. We carry each an anointing and we carry the Holy Spirit in us. And we'll look at this because it's biblical. But we each have the ability to give Jesus away anywhere and everywhere we go in our day-to-day -day lives. And you don't have to be an ordained elder in the church of Nazarene to do this. This is just living out the gospel of the kingdom. Isaiah 10, 27. This is going to be the foundational verse over the next few weeks. Isaiah 10, 27 says this. So it'll be in that day that, that his burden will be removed from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be broken because of the fatness. Um, uh, the word fatness could be translated as anointing, depending on which translation you read. But to give context, in this story, the Assyrians were holding captive the, the Israelites. And, and Isaiah begins to prophesy, and he says, In that day, the burden that's around your neck that, that the enemy has placed upon you, it'll be broken off because of the anointing that you carry. In other words, he's saying this. Yeah, so he's saying that, that what, what you're carrying will be broken off because of the anointing of God, which I think that we could read it like this uh, really today. It'll be in that day. Um, I won't read through all the definitions of the words, but it'll be in that day that the weight that people carry 
the loads, the burdens that people carry. And be honest, people have weights and burdens. We see it. We probably each have them as well right now with, with family members, with finances, with health issues. You name it, there's probably some sort of burden that people are carrying that we know or even ourselves. It'll, those, those will be broken off. And actually, it could mean this as well, that the burdens people carry, you could translate that, by the way, as the tyranny that people experience. So some people experience tyranny, <laughs> right? It's just like bam, 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 bam from the enemy. Uh, that people carry will come to an end. They'll cease and desist. And not only will they come to an end, but they'll actually be destroyed because of the anointing, because of the presence of God that we carry and we steward and we give away. Which means that if someone's hurting, we, because of Christ in us, Colossians 1.27, Christ in us, the hope of glory, have the ability to give them exactly what they need in their time of affliction, whether it's an encouraging word, whether it's laying hands and praying for them, whether it's giving them a hug, whatever it is, we have the ability, we have, because we have Jesus living inside of us, to right their wrong. Now, Jesus always operated under this anointing. He always did. That's why he quoted, <laughs> that's why he quoted, what is it, Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Right? To proclaim the good news. It's, it's the spirit of the Lord was resting on him. And we know that when he came to earth, he was fully man, but he was also fully God. And so everything he did on earth, he did as a man. And, and because Hebrews tells us he laid everything aside. So he didn't have an advantage. That's really important to understand because we think that Jesus was, he was God and he was man. But he wasn't like Superman where he had just these, he, he laid everything aside. And Hebrews tells us that we don't have a great and high priest that's unable to sympathize because he's been tempted in every way that we have. Meaning that he's experienced everything we have experienced. But because of the Holy Spirit indwelling in him, he was able to live and do what he did. So he always operated this way. In Luke chapter 7, there's a story, and it's one of my favorite stories of Probably quoted it every now and then. <laughs> uh, but in Luke 7, 11, it's hmm, funny. Luke 7, 11, <laughs> it is. It says, soon afterwards, he was going to a city called Nain, and the disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. And now as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out and the son of his mother, and she was a widow of a sizable crowd from that city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her, and he said to her, do not weep. And he came up and he touched the coffin <laughs> and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fear gripped them all, and they began to glorify God. A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. The report concerning him went all over Judea and all the surrounding districts. So what's going on? So Jesus had just, if you know the Bible, Jesus had just healed the centur Roman centurion's uh, uh, a servant, 
And the Roman centurion's like, you know, I need my servant healed. And Jesus said, where do you live? We'll go to your house. And the centurion said, I don't need you to come to my house. Just speak the word and it'll be done. And, and at the same time, his servant was healed. And then right after that, he goes to the city of Nain. And here's Jesus operating under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and walks into the city. And he's walking into a city. Out comes a funeral procession. Procession. And people are weeping and mourning, and it's this hopeless situation. And his mother had lost her son, and Jesus walks up, and he's like, whoop, and touches the coffin, and the guy comes back to life. And I, I love that. I don't know if he made that noise, but I want to picture Jesus making that noise, right? I just think he probably had a sense of humor. So he touches the coffin, raises him back to life, and it just... Everyone gets overcome with the fear of the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Verse 12, it said, now you're like, well, was he dead? Well, verse 12 says he was a dead man. It means he was really dead. Okay? And you look at that. Oh, man. Verse 13, it said, when Jesus saw compassion for her, he said, do not weep. See, Jesus saw this as he's entering into the city. He sees, he sees what's going on, and he sees this funeral, and it says he felt compassion, but it actually, the word compassion, it means that he was moved from his inward parts. It, 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 it means that when he saw something, we could like equate it like this. If we something that's not Matthew 6.10 on earth as it is in heaven, right? That, that Jesus saw something that so gripped him that he had to move, that he had to act. And I don't know if you've ever done that. Like you see someone in need and, and like, like, I just have to do something. And so you give them a few dollars or, or you see someone that needs help and you go take care of this need. It's like you, you don't know why you have to. You just have to. And Jesus is so gripped right here that he has to do something. And so he goes and he touches this man. And he comes back to life. He's raised from the dead. And, and I love this. I love this. Because not only when he raises him from the dead, the, when it says, young man, I say to you, arise, he's not only saying come back from the dead, but it actually could be read that he says be born again as well. And so when Jesus touches him, says come back from the dead but be born again i think that's really significant especially in our context because we have christ in us the hope of glory everywhere i go he goes everywhere he goes i go right because he lives inside of us because we're palaces fit for a king essentially because we're temples of the holy spirit and so everywhere we go everywhere he goes and all this type of stuff but the main goal of what we are trying to do is lead people to Christ. Amen. Amen. We're trying to lead people to Christ. And so when we're going and giving Jesus away, you heard me say Friday night, it's not about leading everyone into salvation, but we want people to come to salvation. It's, it's about giving him away, giving him away, and giving away. And I think eventually people will get born again because yeah. of this. And so that's what the goal is says, fear gripped them, verse 16, and they all began to glorify God, saying, a great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. The, this report concerning him 
went out all over Judea and all the surrounding district. So what a picture it says that fear gripped them. The fear of the Lord came. They, they went, basically they went, wow, this is God. What would it look like if we said, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I can. I'm going to slow down and pay attention to what's going on around me in my day-to-day -day life. And if I see someone that's hurting, if I see someone that's in need, I'm going to meet that need to the best of my abilities, right? And, 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 and what would it look like if we did that? And they said, why did you do that? And we can be like, well, we felt like God just wanted you to know that you're loved, that you're valued, that this, that, or the other. And, 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 and as that happens... The fear of the Lord comes on people, and, and it's not like they get terrified, but it's this reverential awe that changes lives. So I'm going to tell you this story. Um, last night I took, I took Logan to dinner at O'Shea's. Anyone been to O'Shea's in Louisville? Yes, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. We were at, it, it's just this amazing, amazing Irish pub that has amazing fish and hamburgers. But anyway, not very healthy. But we were there, and I didn't, you didn't know this, but the waiter, the waiter who waited on us, he waited on my family a few weeks ago when Bob and Jamie Reddick were in town um, visiting. And so he waited on us, and, um, and I'm typically a pretty generous tipper. I, I got in trouble the other night. I didn't do a good enough job, and she corrected me. And uh, <laughs> I'm pretty typically generous and so last week, and again, I'm not telling you this to brag on my wife, but we were there a few weeks ago, and it was packed, and we were there for a few hours, and we basically kept other people from coming in, and, you know, because we were there so long. And so I wrote down the tip, and I thought it was a generous tip. I see my wife reach into her purse, and she pulls out a $100 bill and puts it on there. Well, we, we're not made of money. Okay, but the Lord told her to do it, and I looked, and I thought, well, the Lord better have spoken to her, because, you know. <laughs> so, so we do this, and we didn't think anything else about it. You know, she wrote, God loves you on the ticket. That's what she did. And so we're there last night, and we get up, we get up, and at some point in time, he looked at me and said, you're that man who was here a few weeks ago, because apparently this is recognizable. <laughs> I said, yes, yes, I was. I was with my wife and with some friends. And he said this, why did you do that? And I said, my wife wanted you to know that God loves you, and he has a plan, and he has a purpose for your life. And got teary-eyed. Now, that, that was it. I just spoke that word, and then he went right back, got teary-eyed. It was like, what's happening? And he, and he took off, right? Now, the last time we were there, he told us a bit of a story. He's an Afghan, Afghanistan veteran and suffers from PTSD and was raised in the church but struggles with church. And that one thing... What if that's the one thing? You understand? And I'll tell you that to lift my family. I'm telling you that, 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 that it's very tangible how you can make a difference in someone's life. And like, I didn't know we'd see him again. I didn't know he'd recognize me. But he recognized, and that action spoke volumes and allowed us to share the gospel very briefly. Okay? 
And so that's what we're out to do. We're out to sow these seeds and change people's lives. And, uh, and, and I just think that this is what the Lord has called us to do. As a church, as a church, you know, we, we're not a rich church by any means. Our needs are met. God's providing. He's actually providing well right now. And uh, we're thankful for that. And, but, but we will probably never be the church that spends thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on putting great big things and great big spectacles that are entertaining events that honestly probably the entertainment industry could probably do better than we do, right? It's like, why, why compete with that? I'd rather bring people in, pour into us, change our hearts, and then us go out and live this stuff out and reach people for Jesus. So that's, that's what I think. So... so <laughs> So we want to, uh, I don't even know where I'm at, but that's what we want to do. We want to live this thing out, and it's very simple. Now listen, go to Acts chapter 3. I love Acts 3, and Acts 3, I know I've referenced time and time again over the last year and a half, two years, because it's my favorite story. Because this, I feel like, is, is my life's call right here. And I think it's the life's call for any believer. So Acts chapter 3 is the story of Peter and John going to the temple. Yeah, let's, let's look at this. Acts 3. We'll just read it. I'm going to read 3, 1 through 10. Acts chapter 3, 1 through 10. This is really good. All right. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. So they're on their way to a prayer meeting, and a man who had been born lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg for alms, and those who were entering the temple. So when he saw Peter and John, he began to, when he saw Peter and John about to go in the temple, he began asking to receive alms. Verse 4, but Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. And you've heard me say this probably before. But so, so here's these two men, and they're on their way to church. They're on their way to a prayer meeting. And as they're on their way to a prayer meeting, they see this man on the side of the street who's asking for help. And rather, rather than ignoring the problem that's there, Rather than, because we do stuff like this, let's be honest. Like sometimes we see a need, and, and if you haven't ever did this, bless your heart, you're a better person than the most of us in here. But sometimes we, sometimes we see a need that's on the street, and we're like, well, I'm going to cross the street and go to the other side. Or we pick up our phone and we start scrolling through Facebook as we're walking so we don't have to make eye contact with them, right? We do stuff like that. People do stuff like that. And so, so they see the need, and rather than... Ignoring the need, they actually, it says they fixed their gaze upon him, meaning that they saw it and they didn't look anywhere else. What would it look like if us as a church began to see needs and see people that were in need, see people that were hurting and broken, or broken, breaking or broken, and what it would look like if we saw them and rather than thinking, well, I've got enough issues on my own, because listen, Peter and John, they had their own issues, right? Every time Peter spoke, he always would put his foot in his mouth, 
right? He, I mean, these guys had these guys were messed up. These people were everyday, ordinary people. John was criticized because he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. So I'm sure he was criticized for being for being <laughs> the boss's favorite, right? And so they're probably chirping behind his back. <laughs> He's the one with his head up against his chest. He's the one that wrote that he's the one that Jesus loves. I mean, you know, it just, just he probably had that issue. But here's these two ordinary men. They see something that's going on, and they're like, I have to do something about this. And so they fixed their gaze on him. I love this. They fixed their gaze on him. They said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus the Nazarene. Get up and walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood up and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking, leap, leaping, and praising God. And all the people who saw him walking, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they began taking note of him as being at the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement what had happened to him. This is a picture of ordinary people operating under the anointing that give Jesus away, and it actually causes revival to break out. And so if we're going to win our city, it's going to be just this small room of people giving Jesus away in our day-to-day life. That's it. It's not, listen, it's, it's like I dream of the day this place is filled. So this Friday, I dream of the day when like, like on Friday nights or on Sunday mornings, that there's a line at the door waiting for someone with a key to get here and unlock the door. Like, th- these are things that I, I think about. And, and how will that happen? It'll happen as we give him away. Amen. And it's not, it's, it's not, and it's not this, like, and, and please start doing this. Invite people to church, yeah. right? Like, this should be, like, the most exciting thing in the world to us. Invite people to church, but it's like, Why do I need to go to your church? Well, because you're going to meet Jesus. The Lord's going to speak, whatever it is. But so so this is just just a picture of what it looks like. And this, this, this anointing, it gives us permission to live a lifestyle. There's nothing that qualifies you to give Jesus away other than the indwelling Holy Spirit. So, so if there's nothing that gives you permission, then, then, then if we've received permission, we need to do something. It's like, it's like, you know, if I'd have been 16 and dad said, here's the keys, and if, if, it, it would have done me no good to take in my keys when I was 16. I'm like, okay. I'm, just, I'm 16. I got a set of keys. Good grief. That doesn't do anything at all, right? I'm going to get them out. I'm going to put them in the car. I'm going to go. I'm going to go experience the freedom that I've been entrusted with now. When we get baptized, when we get sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, you've been entrusted with something that you can go and have fun with. And so it's fun to give him away. And now, now it gives us permission, and it gives you permission to give him away everywhere you go. Matthew 10, 7, and 8, my other favorite verse. And as you go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, freely you receive, now freely give. This is a call for each and every one of us. 
If Jesus is with us, Mark 16 said these signs follow, okay? And, and if Jesus really was telling the truth, and I think he was, he said stuff like this, right? He said, everything is possible for him who believes. You've heard me say this. Everything's possible for him who believes, and nothing is impossible for God. Now, wait a minute. Nothing is impossible for God. We, we get that. That's easy to wrap my head around. He's the one that went and breathed everything into existence. But you're saying if I believe in him, nothing is impossible for me. That's nuts. That is absolutely nuts. That should mean that as we're living our lives, that there's no such thing as a hopeless situation. I got in trouble for that this morning, but there's no such thing as a hopeless situation. There's no such thing as being a pessimist. There's no such thing as, as not believing that the Lord can't use us because he tells us this. Now, Acts 4.13, I read this a few weeks ago on a Friday night. It says now, because Acts 3, this revival breaks out, and, and it's actually when they healed this man, it actually caused an uproar in the city because everyone got really excited, but the religious people got really freaked out and really mad that God had used these ordinary men, right? And actually 4.13, it says that they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men because they had been with Jesus. Now, what's amazing is it says they had, they had understood they had been with Jesus. And you've heard me say this, I think, a few weeks ago, that when it says they were uneducated, illiterate men, it actually means that they were idiots. Most simplistic translation, these were knuckleheads. And I'd always thought that was amazing because I'm like, I, I live up to that occasionally, right? <laughs> but, but then it goes a step further and it says they recognize them as having been with Jesus. As having been with Jesus, it translates as this, as existing with Jesus, meaning that they could not tell where these two men began and they could not tell where Jesus ended and they could not tell where Jesus began and they could not tell where these two men ended, which means this, that it's like the antithesis or it's the answer of the prayer that Jesus prayed in John 7 that they become one, like he and the Father are one. It's, this, it's, it's just living with him. And so Jesus gives us permission to live this lifestyle with him that everywhere we go, we give him away because it's not us that ministers to people. It's Christ through us that ministers to people. All right, so they're on their way to church. And, and I love that they're on their way to church because we think that, that God has to move inside the church. No, I think he loves to move inside the church, but I really think he loves to move outside the church. And so, it really doesn't matter who you are, where you are, the Lord wants to use you. Yeah. And not only does he want to, I promise if you allow him, he is going to. I love when he moves here. I love when he moves there. Most time when he moves there, too, it draws a crowd. Just saying. <laughs> Aisle five at Walmart, baby. <laughs> Seen it time and time again. It's a checkout line. This would have been two and a half years ago, uh, right before we moved here. We were in um, Illinois still, and uh, this is when I just first started getting the boldness and confidence to pray for people in public, because I was like, uh, you know, first it's like, what do I say? What do I do? And I, was, I met this girl at Walmart, and she was crying as she's ringing up my stuff, 
And I'm like, hey, what's the matter? Nothing, I'm great. I'm like, no, you're not. You're crying. You're lying. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm fine, right? I hate that word, by the way, too. I'm fine. No, you're not. But so I, I said, well, let me see your hands. And so I prayed for her and told her how much the Lord loved her. And so she comes around and she gives me a great big old hug. And the next thing I know, I'm standing here like right where the little circular thing is, right where the, what is it, the, the bags. Thank you, whoever said bags. But where the bags are and I'm standing there. And the next thing I know, there's like six people waiting in line to be prayed for right there at Walmart. Like this stuff, that, again, I'm not saying this happens all the time. I'm just saying that this is what the Lord can do. It draws a crowd. It's like, oh, I want some of that, <laughs> right? And so, so the Lord gives us permission to live this stuff out. The Lord gives us permission to actually, I think, I'll just say it. The Lord gives you permission to be amazing. It's one of my favorite things. John 14, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Heard me say, if that was not in red letters, that would be blasphemy. If Jesus had not have said that, and if I'd been like, the stuff that Jesus did, I'm going to do. If I'd have come out and said that, you'd been like, you're nuts. And even if people actually believe that today, people still think they're nuts. But he says, the works I do, you're going to do. And by the way, the works that I do, you're going to do greater things than these. Like, I'm sorry, what did Jesus do? He healed the sick, raised the dead, cleansed the lepers, cast out demons. He, 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 met, women, he met the woman at the well. He, he healed blind eyes. He, he, he did all these things. I mean, he did weird things, too. Like, I'm like, like he spit in people's eyes and healed them. Like, I don't think, I'm praying the Lord never asked me to do that. But, but I'm saying, he did some really amazing, amazing things. I know, I was just getting ready. To, I didn't hear that. What's that? <laughs> I know, 1 John 4, 17 says, as he is, so are we in this world. That's the next verse I was going to read. So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> he lives inside of us and we're his representatives here on earth. And if, as he is, so are we, this means that we can literally... As we're being conformed to his image, we have his heart and his nature and his character. And we have permission to give that away. That's it. Like, like so I'll use her again, her story. Like, she just tipped the guy really good and wrote, God loves you. She didn't tell him, turn or burn. She didn't preach a sermon to him. She just demonstrated the kindness of God, right? That's what this thing's all about. It's just about giving them away. All right, so we have his heart and his na nature. The same spirit that raised him from the dead lives inside of us. And if we're going to have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we're going to have a revival in our city, we've got to give them away. We've got to give them away. <laughs> you have permission to exceed people's expectations. That's what the anointing does as well. Exceed people's expectations. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Now, I'm sure when this lame beggar was laying there and they locked eye contact on him, he thought, I'm getting my Burger King tonight, right? <laughs> I mean, well, I thought of Burger King. <laughs> but, 
I'm not craving it, I promise. Like he, he expected to get a few coins. Maybe he was going to get a room that night or, or maybe he went and got his little meal or whatever. And they said, silver or gold, I do not have. I'll be honest, like if, if I'd have been that guy, I'd have probably went ahead and started tuning them out. Like, because what you're about to tell me is probably about worthless, right? He said, silver or gold, I do not have. What do I do have? I give to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And I love that too. He didn't say, this is mind boggling too. Rob teaches this. Jesus, you read all these instances of Jesus healing people in the New Testament. Jesus never prayed for them. He just said, be healed. It's just like crazy too. But then James tells us to pray for people, so it's okay. But, but they didn't even pray for this guy. They didn't even lather him up with oil. He just said, get up. He just get up. And he gets up. Now, that's wild when you think about it. So he said, silver, gold, and I have, but what I do have in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Beggar expected money and didn't receive money. And, and this is the place where most of us stop when it comes to ministering to people and giving Jesus away because we immediately think, well, I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have the other, or, or I'm not equipped, I don't know what I'm going to say, I don't know how I'm going to do it, I, I just don't know what I'm going to do, and so I'm not going to do anything at all. Well, what if we could correct that thinking, and rather than saying what we don't have, what if we came to a revelation of who has us, and if we come to a revelation, Revelation, I don't know. But if we came to the epiphany that he has us, then that's really the only thing that matters. Because, <laughs> like, again, our minds think of what we don't have. Like, it's like, well, I think God wants me to go pray for that person. Well, what then if they, what if I need to talk about Jesus? I can't, I, I can't give an exegesis on this, that, or the other, right? I mean, what is that word anyway? Or I don't know homiletics. These are like preacher terms. I don't know homiletics. I, can't, I don't know what happened in, in Numbers chapter 18. I can't tell you what happened in Mark chapter 14 off the top of my head without Googling it on my phone. How in the world am I supposed to talk about him in public? I just happen to believe that he ends up equipping us to give him away everywhere we go. It's it. He'll give you the words. The best illustration, I heard this this past weekend. Someone actually articulated what like, I feel like I do. It was Alan, Al, Pastor Alan. Most of the time, I personally, I'll see a name. I'm just being honest here. And again, this isn't about putting me here. This is saying this is available for all of us. Most of the time you see a need, it's like the Lord says, go meet that need. I don't have a clue what I'm going to say. <laughs> Most of the time, I don't have a clue what I'm going to say until I open my mouth. That's just the truth. It's the truth. It's just like, it's just, think of it like this. Like, if you go to a hospital and you, you have a family member that's sick, like, you, you don't know what to say. You just go and then you start talking and things come out and chances are it's going to be encouraging. It's the same principle. It's, it's you see something and you're like, that 
is not the way it should be. That's why we use Matthew 6.10. It's on earth as it is in heaven. And so if it's not there, then it's an injustice here. If it's an injustice here, Jesus came to right injustice, and so we want to do that. Whether it's for our kids sticking up for someone that's being bullied in school because of race or because of gender or whatever, it doesn't really matter. We don't tolerate those things, right? That's not there, so it will not be here. As adults, if we see someone that's hurting, that's broken, that's in need, then we do what we can by giving him away, whether it's a quick, kind word, a hug, saying Jesus loves you, whatever it is, it gives him away and it exceeds people's expectations because this is what people expect us to do. Oh, you go through the checkout line. And, and, and so most of the time, they even tell you what's going on before you even ask. Like, like they'll look at, oh, it's such a busy day, such an awful day, such a busy day. Right? I mean, they tell you, like, their job stinks. And you know what they probably expect? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I've been real busy today, too. Jesus didn't do that. Or Jesus didn't go, yeah, it stinks to be you, right? I mean, he, he didn't say that. <laughs> what would it look like if we took the time and they're expecting us just to agree with that? What would it look like if we said, you know what? I know today's pretty rough. I know it's hard. It's going to get better. It's going to be okay. Or what it would it look like if we just looked at someone right in the eye and said, Jesus loves you? I'm telling you, change your city, change your families, <laughs> change your families, change your families. She doesn't, I love it. Like she did that with a waiter the other day. I don't even question her when she does that stuff. And she doesn't even question me if we're out in public and I get up and I walk off. She knows I'm going to go minister to someone. It's just... It's just becoming natural in our family. And, and I think the Lord just, I'm not saying that this is what you're going to burn for in the sense that like I wake up and think, who am I going to talk to today? Like I, 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 I walk into the coffee shop and I went in the Heine Brothers the other day and, and the one on Eastern Parkway and Preston Highway. That's my favorite one in the city. I went in there and there were 11 people in there. Like, I count as soon as I walk into the space. I know that's weird, but I'm thinking one of these 11 is going to get Jesus by the time we leave this place. That's what I think about, right? But it's just the way I'm, I'm wired. But I'm just saying that, that we have this opportunity to give him away all the time. And I don't think we need to be like, we're going to have this evangelism program at our church. No. Yeah, we evangelize. But no, we're not going to have a program. We're not going to turn people into a program. And we're not going to turn people into projects. Right. What we're going to do is live our life day by day, filled with the Holy Spirit, Amen. understanding that we've been anointed to bring the good news. And whoever crosses our path, they're going to stand a pretty good chance of getting Jesus on them, even if it's just for a brief moment. Come on. That's what it's all about, folks. And, and I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Speaking of Heine Brothers... I'll tell this quick one. See, this is a this is a this is just a good illustration service here. Is so Heine Brothers? It must have been um, a few weeks ago. And uh, actually, won't you turn that off so we can respect people's privacy?
Thank you. So we're at Heine Brothers, and I go in to the same ones. I go to the same two all the time. And uh, that's all right. <laughs> Everyone scuttles. So I go into this place, and I go in, and I go in, and I go in. And some of them are weird. Some of them are bad. Just turn it off. It's okay. She shushed you. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah, I started thinking this is live. So I go into this one, and I go to Eastern Parkway and uh, Preston Highway, and I'm in there. And I go in, and they, there's some weird ones there. I mean, they do that one in particular. There's some weird religion stuff going on there. And, um, and I never preach at them. I go in there, talk nice. And um, I go in there, and, and I kid you not that I order my coffee, and there's three of them right there. And one of them is complaining that their hand's hurting. And the other one is like doing some sort of incantation, like and some weird Reiki, occultic type thing chanting over it, saying that it's going to get better. And like this is like the prophets of Baal type of scenario. And, and the other ones, she's doing something else. She believes in something else, and so she's some spiritual heroist, and, and they're, all, they're doing all their weird stuff. And I lean over the counter, and I said, when you guys get done, or when they get done, how about I pray for you, and you're going to get better. And it just, I just said it. <laughs> and so, so they looked at me like, okay, buddy, whatever. And, uh, and so they did their little deal, and I was polite, and I just watched. I wasn't like Elijah. I didn't taunt to make fun of them, you know. <laughs> I was just quiet. I was just quiet. And I said, is it my turn? And they said, yeah. <laughs> and I said, let me see your hand. I said, in the name of Jesus, be made whole, be healed. And she starts tearing up right there because the presence of God flooded that coffee shop. And they're like, where did you learn that? And I said, I didn't learn anything. Because <laughs> that's what they think. That's what they're, how they're wired. It's like they're learning this stuff and dabbling in stuff that they don't even know what they're dabbling in. I said, I just, it's just Jesus. He just lives inside of me. And he loves you. And he wants you to know him. And so, and then it sparked this conversation. So now I go in there. And if I go in there early in the morning at 7 a.m., they call me pastor. I do. They call me pastor, and now they tell me their prayer requests. They tell me their prayer requests at this place where they're, like, doing this weird stuff. He's just really good, and he wants to move through us. Amen. You know? like the one, have I told you all, I told you the one where I got handcuffed? Yeah, I told Jeff. Okay, I tell that one all the time. All right. He just wants to move. And the Lord's granting us permission to give him away. And that's it. And, and that's my heart and my dream for this church is we realize who lives inside of us and how we can give him away on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay? So let's just pray. Amen. Now, I'll tell you this, that you can't, you can't give Jesus away if you don't have him. 
spirit away if you're not filled. You've heard me teach this verse time and time again, Luke 24, 49, which is go and wait in Jerusalem until you see the promise of the Father. That's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to pray that we get filled with the Spirit. And then once you're filled with the Spirit, then you're able to, do, to just live this stuff out. Because again, if you came and said, Michael, I need $100, like right now, I've been like, tough luck, buddy. In the name of Jesus, whatever you need, let's do that instead. <laughs> but seriously, you have to be filled with the Spirit. So Lord, I would pray that you would sanctify our little church, that you would fill all of our members to the brim, that you would, uh, there would be nothing of us left, but it would only be you that's in us. Any of the old man, any of the carnal nature, God, would you just burn that away and just sanctify us holy, Lord? Yeah. Sanctify your church holy. I pray for those of us that have you, that give us a greater measure of you as well, Lord. Give us a greater hunger and thirst for your righteousness, God. And then, Lord, as you begin to fill us, I pray that we would not be able to contain what you have given us. I pray that we would give you away everywhere we go. I pray that we would see people not as problems or inconveniences, but actually as opportunities. I pray we would not see people as projects, but as opportunities, Lord. I would pray, God, that, that some of us are going, well, I don't... I don't talk to many people or I don't do this, that, or the other. I would pray this morning, Lord, that you just quicken to our minds the normal day-by-day, week-by-week routines we have. And I would be willing to bet that most of us come across quite a bit of people that need some hope. And so I just love you and I praise you and I bless you this morning, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's give Jesus praise, church. Amen.